Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and cool, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest And welcome back to the greatest show on earth that is Talking Terror. As always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you back to this episode of the show, where tonight it's going to be the Demonic Dean film pick of the week, and he decided to go with One Cut of the Dead from 2017 and directed by Shinichiro Ada. I hope I got that right. Pretty sure I got that right. We'll find out. But anyway, so we are going to be talking about that later on in the show and see how many licks it takes to get to the center of a zombie. Could be one, could be more. We'll find out. But first, I'm joined by the bold and the beautiful, the Gold Geek Keith. Action! Action! Take it now! Hello, hello, everybody. <laughs> what is going on tonight? And we summed up the movie. That's what we got later on, so expect that. <laughs> and we're also joined by the psychotic Simeon, the Prince Memoirs there. Yes, get something with the monkey. That's right, Morris. We are keeping it on dead zombie funky up in here. So strap in and prepare yourself as we do that thing in your ear that you love so dear because for the next two hours, your favorite horror podcast will be covering the latest in horror news, nerdgasms, and a movie review, the only way Talking Terror can deliver. So make sure you listen live, listen with your friends, listen with your mama. Wait a minute, don't do that. Don't listen with your mama. We don't really care. Just as long as you motherfucking listen, baby. What's up, our family? <laughs> Hello. Hello, monkey. Welcome, Hi, welcome, welcome. <laughs> and maybe your mom's a freak and she likes to listen. Who cares? We, nobody yucks your yum, man. Like, we just, if you like it, you'll like it, and that's okay. We love you anyway, all the, all the moms out there, dirty or otherwise. But we're also joined by the very astute, very educated, very opinionated, Demonic D himself, who presents his film pick of the week tonight. That is right. It is my film pick of the week, a last-minute audible. Uh, last week, if you think back to uh, the end of our show, uh, I had a pitch mm-hmm. deck, and then based on our discussion that we were having, it um, you know caused me to throw the curveball. So my initial pick will probably get pushed to the next time. But yes, one cut of the dead ended up being my uh, choice for this week's engagement of the Talking Terror program. Wonderful, wonderful. I'm looking forward to talking about it later on in the show. As always, we do have horror news to get to. But first of all, Monkey, I wanted to give you the floor because I know you have some things you wanted to talk about. Uh, so talk about what you got. Cobra Kai, Boba Fett, you know, let's go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, to- totally stoked uh, because I'm now on to episode three of Book of Boba Fett. I must admit I am having fun, but, yeah, I – Still have to admit, though, I'm a little disappointed, man. It's just it's not as original as Mando was. And, you know, for all what people say about how Star Wars is based based on Authorian legend and all that kind of stuff, you know, Star Wars has always also really, really been based on samurai movies. And Mando, you know, like the Ghoul and I had said, was, you know, really, really heavily influenced 
by Lone Wolf and Cub. With this, with the flashbacks, I'm getting some definite, definite, you know, Last Samurai vibes going on here. And it's just, you know, the writing just isn't as fresh as it was with Mando. It's like, you know, I, I got to say I'm a little disappointed. But at the same time, I'm still excited that they are still expanding again and again the Star Wars universe. So, you know, <laughs> yay for us Star Wars fans. Cool. I wanted to ask you, you know, I believe you are up to episode three as well. How are you liking the ride so far, my man? Yeah, no, I uh, I, I kind of found the same exact thing with you on it. I, I was excited to come into the series, but I was a little bit, uh, a little bit you know, leery on it. Um, you know, I feel like a character like Boba Fett, you know, unfortunately, as we saw with the prequel films, you know, he was the kind of character where the where less is more. You know, what you yeah. didn't know about him is what made him such an interesting character. So when they did the whole Django Fett stuff in the prequel films, um, it kind of, I mean, for me anyway, it kind of fell flat. The fact that, you know, here we had Boba Fett and he just ends up being a, an extra clone that, that he decided not to, to have you know, the, the, the gene therapy that the, the, the actual clone troopers were using, you know, for me it was kind of like, oh, all right, whatever. But you know what? The prequels were the prequels, and that was that, and that told the story. You know, Boba Fett in my head still, badass bounty hunter, still the one that brought fucking Han Solo to Jabba. You know, fucking Boba Fett was kick-ass. Um, I'm enjoying the series. I just feel like they're just diving into stuff that is kind of the kind of things that you just didn't need them to dive into. I wouldn't have minded this series being more like, um, if they played this, and if you just bear with me with it, if they played this series more like The Godfather, in which it was a matter of Boba Fett coming into town and basically having to fight with other mobsters and whatnot for a, a, a power struggle, I'd be perfectly fine with that. I didn't need to know the exact details of how he got out of the Sarlacc pit. But whatever, that was kind of fun. What I definitely didn't need was the fucking sand people stuff. Like, honestly, leave some of this shit alone, man. Leave it alone. The mystery is what made them fun. I remember being in the theater for episode one, and, you know, it was 1999, and there we are, dealing with this annoying little blonde fucking kid screaming and whining and bitching and moaning about everything, but, oh, here comes that really cool pod racer scene that everybody was talking about prior to the release of the movie, and one of my favorite parts of that movie is when the fucking stand people are up there taking pot shots at the pod racers. You know, <laughs> there they are, just the stand people, and what are they doing? Creating chaos, because that's what the sand people did, and the fucking theater erupted. There was laughter and cheering. Everybody was just happy to see them and happy to see them doing what they always did, which is just fucking do violent stuff. And leave it at that. I didn't need to know the intricacies of their fucking tribal ways, man. It's very Dune. And I think that's what also kind of, for me, hurts this a bit. I just saw Dune. I don't need to see Dune again. You know, there's a lot of things that are connecting this series to Dune, and it's driving me fucking mad. 
Let's try from that That's pretty intense. You know what? Episode three was the best episode of them all. So, so, so far, it's getting better, which at least is a good sign. There you go. Oh, yeah, right. um, I, and I'm also enjoying, again, all the Easter eggs that they keep planting in there for the fans, you know, little stuff there, you know, here and there, um, because, like, in episode one, when they go into the casino, and you've got the one droid that's in there, you know, de- dealing out poker and shit like that, you know, everyone's like, you know, I was like, wait a minute, hold on, is that, the, you know, is that a fucking TR droid? And, you know, I looked it up, and yeah, that's a TR3 droid, and everyone's like, you know, from Star Wars Empires, I was like, no, it's not, man, it's <laughs> from uh, the fucking ride at Disney World, that's where it fucking showed up, man, that was the first appearance, I was like, now they said they're making Star Tours references in there, I was like, that's so fucking cool, <laughs> that they're going there with just tiny Star little Wars. nods, you know, for us fans, man. Yeah. Cool, alright. Mm. Yep. So, that, so that's all we <laughs> I know. Beep, boop, beep. Um, so, you know, I just wanted to sit there and touch base on, you know, us so far to episode three of Boba Fett. But also, Dean, I have finally, finally watched season four of Cobra Kai, man. So I am now in the It took you long baby. enough. It's only, <laughs> been, it's only been released for 19 days. It took you long enough. Finally. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I, I, like, just wanted to say that, like, we watched it, me, uh, the Diva and I, and we both just are still really enjoying the ride, really enjoying where they're going. And then the fuck that they, find, you know, sit there and tap in the <coughs> Jean-Claude Van Damme, hell fucking yeah. <laughs> Acknowledge that shit. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, I, I, I love it. I think I will, I'm not afraid to say that this season certainly in my opinion, has had, you know, some flaws, as have all of the seasons. But as far as just pure enjoyment level, um, as well as this uh, now what seems to be this dawn of the new year tradition, which I hope, uh, granted, I don't want to wait a whole other year, uh, but granted, I, I, and it's a smart move on Netflix's part to put it out when they do, because it's just guaranteed that everybody is at home to watch. Uh, but I mm-hmm. just I just love it. I absolutely adore it. Uh, the legacy character stories just continue to evolve uh, in a fun way, and the the, the storylines of the younger characters continue to grow and develop, um, with new ones being introduced. Uh, my my I don't even know if I would call it a concern at this point, but my my thoughts for a the, the next season is just. You know, are they going to continue to try to explore every storyline that has been introduced? Are they going to consolidate? Because there's just so many going on, especially with bringing in, uh, you know, the young LaRusso uh, into the fold now. And he seems to have his whole storyline developing, uh, you know, just is there is there enough time and space for everything? But I I given that we're four seasons in and. You know, I go back to, to watching it when it was on YouTube, uh, and we're four seasons in. I am I have fully I am fully confident in the creative team. Uh, you know, uh, they have not dipped uh, yet to a level that has given me concern as far as the story goes. And I just I'm just loving it. Um, I'm thrilled yeah. with the uh, the final scene of how season four wrapped up. Um, you know, I, I continue to go back and just watch that last five seconds. Uh, on numerous occasions, uh, I just I'm excited to see what happens next. You know, um, there's just so many possibilities 
uh, in so many ways that this can go. So looking looking forward to it, of course, and I'm glad you finally got around to seeing it. <laughs> I, and, I, I and just did a giggle my, on this. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Cole. Sorry, I just did a giggle cool. on this because, like, here, here we here we are now with the, with the dean talking about, you know, like, are they going to get all of this stuff in with all these storylines and everything? And I remember, I believe it was during season one, although it could have been early in season two. I remember making mention to you of like a specific character arc that was going to occur. Uh, I think it might have been Hawk, actually. Yes, yes, I had mentioned it to you. And, like, you – basically, you had, like, kind of, like, dismissed it off, and you were like, you know, they, they won't go that way with it because in order to do that, that, you know, you're like, not every character is going to have, like, a, a definitive story arc. And yet here we are now at the end of, se- of four seasons, and as I stated, you know, the majority of these characters all have these major story arcs going on. Yeah. They, at the, the rate that they're going, you're right. It's going to be hard for them. I know they've stated that they do have the ability to, to take this into further seasons, if need be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm yes. sure it's desired. Uh, I would say from the writing that we saw of season four – it has to be a definite because there's no way that they are going to wrap everything that they've now put on the table in only 10 episodes at a half hour clip. Um, no, with the, and that, you're right. And with the, continued, with the continued increasing popularity, um, you know, the creators have not yet said how many seasons that they envision. They do say that they know the end game. They say they know the end game. They have the end game in mind, but they don't know, yet know how long it's going to take to get there. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Um, you know, and I, I have to say, I have to say, and, you know, Monkey and, and King even, uh, I know that the, the macaroni and cheese thing comes up on, on the show frequently when we discuss this, but I just want, I don't know if this has ever been, I don't know if this has ever been stated for the Talking Terror record, but this has been an ongoing uh, running joke between the ghoul and I, like going back probably 20 years, um, uh-huh. the, the macaroni and cheese thing. So, uh, and what is surprising to me, uh, honestly, and I have considered it and thought of it, is given how many tiny little things that they include throughout all of the episodes and seasons, uh, little callbacks, a reused line of dialogue from all of the legacy characters. Every single legacy character has had in some way, shape or form, like a callback piece of dialogue uh, to an earlier film that, that macaroni and cheese has like not been referenced like in any way at all. I'm, 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 I really have thought about that and I've really been surprised by that. I've been expecting like a sequence in which like his mom is like, oh, do you want me to make the macaroni and cheese? Like even something is like a little, what looks like a little throwaway line that leads oh, to totally, like a totally. look. You know, even, one of those like, if, you know, even if, even if the LaRusso family is just like settling down uh, for dinner for the evening and Anthony comes down and is like, mom, what are we having for dinner? And she's like, oh, I got some macaroni and cheese. Your father loves it. You know, like just something like that. Like, just like <laughs> I just happened, that would be I'm awesome. Just surprised, I'm just surprised it hasn't happened because, uh, like, I don't know when the last time is that any of you have watched Karate Kid 3. Uh, I have not watched Couple it in ago. full, and I don't know how long. Admittedly, weeks I recently ago. did go back and just watch I did go back and watch the final fight sequence. Uh, but, um, yeah. You know, if you were to go back and watch that scene, like, uh, as we have joked on this show for many show minutes, uh, how Daniel LaRusso is so effusive in that moment about uh, his, 
his love of that particular dish. So, you know, I, I don't know about anybody else out there, but I, but I personally have been surprised that there has not been a reference to it in, in any way. Especially since season four had so much callbacks to the third movie. Absolutely, and that, that yeah. was where I was going to leave it off as far as the, the fourth season went. I do have to just give a total shout-out to Thomas Ian Griffith, who once again oh, yeah. steals the <laughs> fucking show as Terry Silver. Okay, you know, when, yeah. when he first, like, when you first see him, and the hair is, like, out and about, and he just looked <laughs> so, like, he kind of looked old, you know, and I'm like... Wow, I go, that's kind of what they're going to work with, huh? But just to watch him transform, that moment that he puts that hair back in that ponytail, and it's like a complete transformation of the character. Even the ghoul girl mm-hmm. was like, you know, he's kind of fucking hot. I, like, he has the hots for the entire season. And I'm like, I'm like, the guy is fucking great. Yes, he's sitting here right now, he's like drooling him. <laughs> Grabbing a boob. <laughs> yeah, I, I said this to the ghoul. Once the ghoul finished watching, I said this, uh, this specific uh, thought to the ghoul. Uh, I found him to be, for the first part of the season, like almost unrecognizable. Like if I, if I did not know that I was watching Cobra Kai and just turned on the channel, like his appearance in those first couple of episodes, I never would have been like, oh, that's Terry Silver. Uh, the way, oh, yeah. obviously, no matter what you're watching, whether it's in Rambo 2 or anything else he's ever been in Martin Cove, you're like, oh, there's Sensei Kreese. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I did not recognize uh, him as Terry Silver. But as the season went on, I like it, it, it truly like the, the ghoul used the word transformation. Like he like transformed back into Terry Silver. Yeah. And then at one moment I was like, mm-hmm. there he is. That's Terry Silver right there in front of me. And when that happened, <laughs> if I would have just been seeing that person in something else, I would have been like, oh, there's Terry Silver. But I didn't have that thought at the beginning. I was really struggling, like, looking at him. I know that it's him. I know it's the same actor. But I'm looking at him, and I'm like, man, like, I really don't see Terry Silver in there. Yeah. <laughs> it, just, it's, it just speaks volumes to, to what acting is. And, you know, I think that's something that all of us here, we love so much. You know, we, we forget it because we watch these movies. We watch so many movies, you know, whether they're horror films, mm-hmm. TV films, whatever it is. You know, but there, there's that transformative quality that occurs sometimes with certain people and certain characters. And the fact that he could do that so many years later, just amazing. Yeah, and King, I wanted to ask you, man, um, just because – like the ghoul and the dean has said, they keep expanding storylines, keep expanding storylines. And this is my one gripe, though, is because I know you and I consider Cobra Kai as the Johnny Lawrence show. You know, yeah. that, you know, that's where it started, and it should be about him. And I'm thinking, you know, maybe they're expanding too much. And, may, like, me personally, I'm thinking at the same time, maybe they need to sit there and refocus on Johnny. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I, I, know, think so, I know you said it in the group given, chat. I agree with that. Uh, given that it seems that Johnny, and it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how this piece of the puzzle unfolds. Given the apparent reconciliation uh, with Robbie at the end of the season, but Johnny apparently is off uh, to to find Miguel. So uh, you know, uh, given uh, the scope of the show, that I would imagine if 
Johnny truly does leave to go to Mexico City to find Miguel, uh, then, you know, because he made those proclamations before he saw his son. Uh, but assuming he's still going to Mexico City, I would imagine that there's going to be time spent on whatever he encounters and what his journey is heading heading there. So I would look for, I would think that you should be looking forward to more uh, to to more Johnny come next season. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but, you know, like with the king, I'm just worried they're going to take it away, you know, and then it's going to be like, you know, the OC season three when things get super ridiculous where we're, ex- you know, uh, taking I don't the, understand the, 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 But the king well, does. Yeah, I, um, and, I, I, you know, I, 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 and we're, ta- totally. we're taking the entire cast and then we're throwing everyone all over the world now, you know. Yeah, no, I, you know, because it started with Johnny, you know, it should kind of be his focus, and he did kind of take – you know, he wasn't necessarily always a focal point in the season, but when he had his scenes with Danny, you know, I appreciated it. I love when he found out about Karate Kid Part 3. And he's like, get the fuck out of here. Like, they put you in the finals? Like, you didn't even have to go through the whole thing? What the fuck, man? <laughs> he's like, yeah. <laughs> he's like, that's some shit. <laughs> you know? He's like, who the fuck cares? I'll tell you, Silver, what the fuck are you going to the finals for? He's like, well, I'm fucking just down and out, you know, and just hanging out, waiting for my next chance. So, Whenever Johnny was on the screen, I was just happy with it. I, I, I loved his – especially that fight scene that he has with, with Crease and Terry Silver where he kicks his ass. I was like, oh, Johnny, no. Fight back, man. Like, you know, it's just really incredible, you know, just to see him uh, with Eagle Fang and trying to make it a thing while you have Danny going, well, Miyagi-Do is better, you know. And it's like, well, no. You both have your different styles. And to see them go back and forth where, you know, Miyagi-Do style, Johnny tries it. He's like, ah, cool. All right. Well, anyway, here's Cobra Fang. And they go to a fucking house, like a journey video. And he has him training in the fucking foundry. Come on, LaRusso. You know, come on. You want to be Kobe, you know, want to be Eagle Fang. It was, a, it was great. But, yeah, I, just, I think, you know, with season five, it's already in the can, as we know. I, just, I, I hope that they really do give Johnny, you know, some more time to shine. Because the, the finale was great, you know, especially because we get the you know, All-Valley Tournament. That fucking announcer was fucking amazing. Because he made it seem like this is fucking blood sport. He's like, oh, shit, karate time, y'all. Like, and I love the fact that there's so many karate schools that are competing, but he only focuses on Cobra Kai and Eagle, Eagle Fang and, and uh, Miyagi-Do. It's like, to him, that's the only three that exist. Everybody else is like, yeah, yeah, all right, cool, cool, cool. Well, get well I was so, worried when the shit. whole thing started, and those were the only three he introduced, and I was like, wow, are there really only three <laughs> fucking schools that are going to be in this town? Nope. And then I saw the board, and I was like, oh, thank goodness, there's a whole bunch of other people. <laughs> but, yeah, 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 here. Like, real quick. <laughs> and I, yeah, I, I was like, where the fuck are the other Gojo? <laughs> your worries with Johnny and, and not getting enough focus, but at the same time, too, you have to remember that everything that we're seeing within the series was put into play by Johnny. So everything that yeah. we're seeing mm-hmm. in reality is because of Johnny's actions to begin with. So in essence, everything is still about Johnny because we wouldn't be where we are right now without him. True, mm-hmm. but yeah. I just like I, I just want more actual screen time. You know, I like I, you know I really like him. He's so much fucking fun. I you know I just, I just want to see more of him. Yeah, fucking William Zabka is amazing, and anytime he was on the screen, I was fucking watching. I just I just love seeing his interactions. Like when they're training, you have Miyagi Do meditating inside and outside the Eagle Fang. Come on, pussy, get up! You can take a hit. Come on, watch those balls. Like, come on, Johnny, we're trying to meditate in here. Like, that's not karate, dude. 
this is Karaka. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was just, it was so great. I just I love the interaction between him and Danny because it's not going to happen. Like when Danny brings over the the chorus stubby bottle banquet beer, and he's like, ugh. Yeah. He's like, yeah, but you drink beer with fruit in it, dude. Like, you know, be a man. <laughs> drink a real beer. When he was picking on him for drinking the blue moon. <laughs> he was like, oh, you have fruit in your beer. You would. <laughs> yeah, it was great. And, and yeah, like we had said about Thomas Ian Griffith, like just him and Terry Silver just being a fucking badass. Like when he beats on that one guy that wants to be Cobra Kai, he's like, you want to be Cobra Kai, huh? You want to be Cobra Kai, motherfucker? Yeah, this is it. Like, you know, kicking his ass. And then you find Sting that Ray. twist at the end. Yeah. Yeah, Stingray. Yep. That yeah. guy. The triumphant return of Stingray. Holy <laughs> shit. Like, I didn't and see Aisha. it coming, and I fucking loved it. Yeah, he's just, he's great. <laughs> you know, that whole twist at the end, just, it made me want Cobra Kai season five even more. Like, you know, let's not wait until December. Let's get it now. <laughs> you know, I want to see the, the continuing story. You know, Johnny in Mexico roundhousing people in the face looking for Miguel. Ooh, ooh, Johnny and Danny Trejo in Mexico looking for a son. Shit, yeah. Fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> Danny Trejo's dad? I'd sign up for that right now. <laughs> you came to the wrong place, for Trejo. Yeah, well, I know karate. Uh-huh. Eagle fang. Ah! Like, you know. Oh, shit, he's doing a crane kick. <laughs> I would love it. We'll see what happens with season five. I'm, I'm glad that you enjoyed it, Monkey. I know we all did, too, but... Uh, before we get into hard news, real quick, I just wanted to say that I made my first official theater visit this past Sunday. I saw Scream 2022. I liked it better than Part 4. I will say that, so I'll put it ahead of Part 4. Ghostface gets a whole lot of stabby in this one. Uh, a lot of good references. It was definitely these two directors that knew what we wanted with a Scream movie, and they gave it to us, and a lot of nods to the first one. Definitely a lot of flaws, so if you guys get a chance to see it, I, I think you'll kind of have the same flaws that I had with it, but... Just so great to see Ghostface back on the screen in 2022, you know, taking out people in Woodsboro, you know, and just the phone calls are back, the kills are back, and they don't hold back. I had some problem with CGI at some points, but otherwise, it's just, it, it's worth it. It's just a fun movie. Definitely, like I said, I'd like four, but I would put it ahead of four. Definitely put three at the bottom. Like three just needs to be locked away in a basement somewhere. You'll be able to see it again. <laughs> So, in, in your opinion, are you uh, do you think pretty much they were you know tr- trying to pretty much take it back to where it started? They were definitely trying to take it more with the first one. They were definitely trying to make nods to the first one, trying to make it more like the first, and trying to ignore the other ones. I mean, they do make some calls to part two, but for the most part, it's part one. Like you know, the characters that show up that are related to part one characters and their relationships in Woodsboro. Um, it's just, it's a lot of fun. I mean, I, like I said, I have my gripes, but those gripes would include spoilers, so I don't want to give that away. Um, but if you're a Scream fan, you're going to enjoy it. Like, I, I can't imagine any Scream fan saying, this one sucks. Like, no, I, I think you're going to like what they gave you, but I also kind of hope that it's the last one. You know, I kind of hope that it's just, all right, well, you know, we had a fun ride. Wes Craven's no longer with us. We did this one, and uh, that's it. You know, just kind of put the, uh, the nails in the coffin you know, and just let it be that. But because it made so much fucking money, I could think that there's going to be another one. Because it fucking blew yeah. away Spider-Man No Way From Home opening weekend. Yeah. Well, wasn't it something like $34 million on opening weekend or something like that? Yeah, easily and climbing. So, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, there's you know, definitely going to hey. be another one then. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I really, oh, you know, I, yeah. <laughs> Studio's not okay going to be like, it. let's close up this moneymaker. <laughs> no, I'd be okay with it. It was the capper because I thought that was part four. I thought part four was like, you know what? There's just nothing else that we could say. Like, this is it. You know, then Wes Craven passed away shortly after that. So it's like, well, we can't really do another one without Wes, but you kind of can. And I think that the directors that did it had that in mind. And there was a great caption at the end that said, for Wes, and I kind of got teary-eyed at that. So I was like, yeah, oh, that's this. awesome. <laughs> you know, like the, the guy that, that helped bring this, even though he didn't want to fucking do it. <laughs> even though he's a guy. <laughs> I don't want to do a movie called Scream. Like, I want to make music of the heart with Meryl Streep. I want to make a music movie. And they're like, well, if you do Scream, you could have it. And he's like, well, all right, I'll do it. And, you know, but, you know, he, he cemented himself as, as that director that made Scream that kind of gave us all new hope with Slashers back in 96. And I Which think if you like that first one, if you're looking for, for something like that, it's great. Uh, Kyle Gallner actually shows up as a character. And he was in the Nightmare on Elm Street remake. He was in uh, Haunting in Connecticut. But he looks like he aged about 40 years. So if you know the actor, you'll see him. But, man, like, he must have hit some tough times, you know, post, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street remake. Because I was like, wait a second, is that Kyle Gallner? And I was like, yep, it is. I was like, all right, so there it is. But um, just expect a lot of references as, he, as these movies go. Uh, Courtney Cox apparently is looking more and more like Steven Tyler every day. So I was like, ah, oh, nope. yeah. Nope. <laughs> not, the, not, not the Gail Weathers I knew from 96, but she's still there. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, so it's, just, it, it's well worth it. So even if it's digital or whatever, you guys check it out. I hope you enjoy it. But I just sitting in that seat and watching Scream for my first movie of 2022, uh, it, was, it was just great. Like, what a great experience. Cool, man. Now, uh, also, didn't you and the ghoul get a chance to check out the new Peacemaker series? To follow that up? Yeah, absolutely, we fucking did. I mean, I was talking to the ghoul through text, and I was like, oh, shit, Peacemaker just dropped an HBO Max first three episodes, and he's like, got it. And all of a sudden, he's like, yeah, I'm <laughs> episode three. I was like, oh, shit, all right, I got to catch up real quick. And I put it on on HBO Max the other week, and, man, was I impressed. I was like, James Gunn, thank you you need to be in D.C. to make these characters fun and to make it just bloody, hilarious, interesting. The intro alone will fucking blow you away because it makes you laugh. It makes you want to just listen to the song over and over again. Um, I wanted to get the ghoul stalker on that because for me, I was like, I had that song stuck in my head for days after I watched those first three episodes. What? You know, don't tell me they went with friends that died. <laughs> no, no. There's something more in line with Peacemaker. Because we find out no, some things were... about Peacemaker that makes it work. They went with, uh, you got a friend friended me, you know, from uh, Toy Story. Um, <laughs> oh, hell yeah. yeah. All right. No, I'm just, yeah. <laughs> just, just kidding on that. Yeah, listen, the show is, uh, you know what? I, I was, uh, I, okay. So because of the way DC is with everything, you know, I watch mm-hmm. everything that comes out when it has anything to do with the comic book stuff. So Marvel, absolutely, yeah. I watch it all. DC, I'll watch it all. I think anybody that listens, anybody that knows me knows that I typically skew towards the Marvel product because I just find their stuff mm-hmm. to be more fun. Um, I find that their story writing is better and that their overall, you know, the, the, the overall continuity is just handled better. 
Um, oh, yeah. Me, I have <laughs> found a lot of messes with, and I've given all kinds of thoughts and ideas on, you know, what I would do if it was me to, to fix it up. And unfortunately, I've yet to see anybody do that until now. You know, James Gunn, mm-hmm. for whatever problems you might have had with the Suicide Squad, you know, what he's doing with the Peacemaker series is very similar to the Harley Quinn animated series. It is yeah. very oh, much nice. its own thing, and, and it is, yeah. it's, it's bloody, it's violent. You're going to see John Cena in ways that are going to change the way you look at John Cena. Um, oh, I don't yeah. think I'll ever be able yep. to see him get the wrestling ring again and not be like, it's, yeah, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. And, yeah, you know, I know there's a lot of people calling out, you know, oh, James Gunn should be given the DC reins and let him try to put together the continuity. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what? No. Let James Gunn do whatever it is no. that he wants no. to do with yep. either Marvel, DC, however he wants to do it. Don't try to pigeonhole him into being the guy that's got to craft all this fucking one big continuity. Continue making standalone DC stories. Joker was phenomenal because it didn't have anything to do with anything else. Continue to do things like that right. yep. and, and you're going to have success again. There's room for both fucking products. There is. You know, let him do what he wants to do. I mean, just the guy being able to work with Marvel and DC at the same time is amazing. You know, and he just he just knows what we want. Like for some reason, James Gunn just reads our minds, and he's like, "I'm giving it to you. It's gonna be funny. It's gonna be gory. It's gonna be weird. Let's just fucking do it. Like, don't think about it. <laughs> just watch it and have fun." Yeah, and it see, and what what the what the goal was saying is like that's the main you know trip of about DC is they're continue, you know, being able to sit there and write it all, you know, and they just can't make. A solid storyline, man. But and I'm all, all on board with you guys. Let James Gunn do his little projects. Don't overwhelm him of trying to, you know, <laughs> be the watcher over the entire DC universe here. <laughs> you know, just let him have some fun and make some good, good, fun side projects. So I mean, you know, know that being said, it's like yeah. I, there's I, only I, one side. So is he, <laughs> so is he directing all of it, or is or is he like overseeing it, or well, I know he did the first three episodes, so I don't know if the, the remaining episodes are going to be done by him or if he's just going to oversee it. I would imagine he's probably having complete control of all the episodes uh, from what I've seen oh, so okay. far. You know, so, and I know that he already said that this is going to lead into a DCEU movie. Not Peacemaker, obviously, but something involved in DCEU. You know, it's going to stem off a of Peacemaker. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he can come up with and, and bring to okay, the big cool. screen in terms of, of branching off of uh, Peacemaker, because there's a lot of ways they can go with it. But I think he's the guy that kind of made me forget about David Ayers and Suicide Squad. You know, I was like, okay, you know what? Yeah, Ayers had his chance. You know, it exists. But I, I thought that his, his version was superior because he added his element of what makes James Gunn fun. You know, like his movies like Slither, you know, where you could see that and be like, you know what, it's hilarious. It's fun. It's gory. It's weird. You know, Boy Coffin needs to show up at some point. I'm hoping to <laughs> Yeah, and that was the great thing about the second Suicide Squad is that, you know, he just went ahead and did his own thing and had fun with it, but built off of the original Suicide Squad movie and was just like, okay, I'm going to give you something different here without Will Smith, you know, and <laughs> just, you know, let you know that DC can be fun. 
You know, because yeah. DC's got some awesome fucking characters. It's like, you know, it's like, you know, because reading wise is, you know, I was actually more of a DC person. You know, like yeah. Spider-Man yeah. was my guy, but then when and like I actually got into reading, reading comics, and you know, DC always like had the more solid, you know, down-to-earth storylines. You know, but you know, they are just taking it too serious when it comes to them trying to do cinematic approaches. They're just like trying to be too dark, too gritty, and stuff like that. And it's like, mm, no, not everything has to be Watchmen. <laughs> No, yeah, they, they, I mean, they, they do try to go towards the dark side of things and more gritty, more dark. Uh, but then Jim's going to step in with the Suicide Squad. And he's like, I'm going to take this whole fucking squad and I'm just going to fucking decimate them within the first 10 <laughs> minutes of this movie. So you're not even going to get to fucking meet these guys. They're going to show up and then they're going to be out. And then we're going to kick off the real movie. And it's like, oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> no intro to these guys. It's in and out. And then we're in the real Suicide Squad movie. So it's. You know, the fact that he can do that is, is just – the fact that he got liberty to do that is amazing. But also to bring in characters that if you're not a comic book reader, you're not going to fucking know about. Like, you know, a calendar man, you know, polka dot man, you know, that he did. In the <laughs> squad. Who the fuck are these fucking guys? Fucking weasel. Who's rat catcher? <laughs> weasel. You know, you know savant. I'm just know, rat all catcher. These, all these rat characters. catcher too. Okay, not just rat catcher, but rat catcher too. Because, you know, DC is famous for having – multiple variations of their characters yep. and sometimes yeah. they're related, sometimes they're not and yep, it's just yeah. Oh, even yeah, even the characters that I, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Even the character <laughs> that shows up in Peacemaker. Yeah. That uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, I won't spoil it. I won't spoil it because I know Monkey you're gonna watch it, but there's a character that shows up in, in Peacemaker that has like four different variants. So you don't know which one you're gonna get, but when you get it you're like, okay, all right, you know, James gonna pick this one. I like it. I don't know why I like it, but it's fucking great. <laughs> yeah, because then when I saw the trailer and they sit there and enter, you know, in the trailer they uh, show one of the characters that are going to be in there. I was like, I knew him immediately from um, Teen Titans, and then they immediately yeah. take all the bad they take all the badassness away from him <laughs> in the trailer. I was like, holy yeah. shit, that is definitely not the same character I read in Teen Titans. This is going to be fucking fun as hell. <laughs> That's not the vigilante I know. Yeah, exactly. I can't wait for you to see what they do with Vigilante in the first three episodes. I think you're really going to like it. But uh, all right, so Dean, uh, let's kick it to to horror news. Let's get back on the track of horror. What do you got for us tonight? Okay. Anyway. All right. So uh, it's. Uh, is he snoring again like sheep? Uh, uh, yes. Uh, no, I think we probably we probably bored him off the air. To be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I'm right. it's old news, but you know what I did actually complete finally? Uh, no, not season what two of the boys. Um, oh shit! I actually did complete uh, Squid Game. Uh, I finally watched okay. the whole damn series. Uh, I uh, I needed something to to cleanse my palate after going on the Dean's suggestion of watching Thirteen Reasons Why, um, mm-hmm. the, uh, <laughs> an, an older show on Netflix, which was was fantastic, yeah. fantastic, yeah. but just totally creates a lot of turmoil in in my my head and heart, and it just takes its emotional toll. So I needed something to kind of to clear it. So so setting up a Korean. Uh, 
game facility with all kinds of death and dismemberment was, was the perfect mm-hmm. palate cleanser. So it's a good oh, game. So I, I, watched it, I, I highly recommend it. Yeah, okay, because I was going to say, because King, that. you've seen it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I know yeah, you've seen Battle Royale. I, so I wanted well, to ask, yeah. like, you know, compared, yeah. compared to Battle Royale and all that kind of stuff, is it actually worth the watch? Is it worth yeah. the hype that everyone's given it? Yes, absolutely. Oh. Yeah. Okay, it's so I, I won't say – so don't go by the hype factor. I, I'll never, mm. ever go with the hype factor. You know what I mean? Like, even, even – like, so perfect example for the hype factor for Squid Game, right? Obviously, this is a show that's yeah. tailored for adults. It's TV mature. If you look on Netflix, it is TV mature. So, of course, who was a large portion of the fan base? 11-year-old, like a little monster here. Um, so yeah. her and her entire crew were the ones that were watching this show and, and loving it up and everything. So she just told me the other day as we were sitting here watching it, and she's still enjoying it with me, but she was talking about how lame it is that there are kids like in her school and in her class that love this show just you know a couple months ago that are now already at the point where it's like, oh, the show is toxic. Oh, we don't like it. We hate it. It's lame. It's this and that. Meanwhile, they were total fans for it just a couple months ago where they were like, oh, give us all the Squid Game juice that we can get, please. Oh, put it all over my face. Um, and now, of course, they're all like, oh, we hate it. So, so that's the hype train for you. Um, is it similar to Battle Royale? Yeah, the same way Battle Royale is similar to The Running Man and, and every other yeah. competition-esque yep. type of thing. There are twists. There are turns. It is a fun journey with the characters that you're going to meet. And, uh, and it's loaded with fun surprises. So, highly recommend. I know I'm way late. Thank you. Sorry. No, I was just going to uh, – I didn't mean to interrupt. Um, yeah, I was just going to say, you know, so King b- bouncing off of the ghoul. Yeah, you, so you're totally for it as well? I am. And what's interesting because, you know, he was talking about, like, the kids being into it. Um, I went to Jersey this past weekend to, to go pick up a car. Uh, that I now have called the Black Dahlia. Yeah! Um, but I went to my brother's house, and my nephew, who is five years old, very much into horror. I don't know how he got it. He just discovered it. He's a I huge love Squid it. Games fan. So he has masks from the Squid Game that he wears oh, God. because he loves it. He has what? a calendar. He has the calendar for the Squid Game. He has the game on his phone. He's like, I love the Squid Game. And I was like, eh. Wow, okay. I was like, you know, it's, it's not too scary for you. He goes, no, I love it. He goes, check out the mask. And I was like, oh, wow. All right. I was did like, you Matthew, are my nephew. Did Matthew not check into what it was before he allowed him to have any of the said product? He did not. He had no idea what the Squid Game was. He found it, my nephew found it on YouTube and started watching it. And all of a sudden, oh, now no. he wants everything for him. So he has, a, he has a T-shirt, he has a mask, he has a calendar. I was like, man, he is okay. all in on a good game. Uh, dude, not trying to diss on your family, man, because, again, I haven't seen the show, man, but I heard it's fucking intense. Like, this is definitely it not is. five-year-old material. No, no, it's not. Definitely not. But he, he can handle it. I mean, apparently he loves it. You know, he just, he just sees it as fake. You know, it's not real. It's just fun. You know, not Oh, man, he's going to end up just as twisted as you are. <laughs> Yeah, he is. A, a future I mean, he's host a huge on Ghost Talking I love it. Yeah, he'll join us when he's old enough, you know. He'll join us. But no, he, he loves Michael Myers and Jason Voorhees, and he's a huge Ghostbusters fan. And then he discovered a Squid Game. So, yeah, he loves it. 
he just loves horror and he just he sees it as fake, you know, and he you know, he knows that it's not real, you know. And I I was like, dude, all right, you're five, good, good on you, man. And yeah, it's all cool. Wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It's like Matt's Damn. biggest nightmare come true. I think the only thing that could make it worse is if the kid becomes like a Dallas fan. <laughs> oh, that would crush him. That would crush him. But he has no interest in sports. He just wants to watch horror movies. And he wants to dance a lot. He likes you know, watching music videos and dancing along to him. So, yeah, it is, it is Matty's worst nightmare come true. He's into horror movies, and he likes to dance in music videos. He doesn't want to take up a baseball bat. He doesn't want to throw a football around. He just wants to watch horror and dance to music. I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, he was, he, oh, (laughs) he's that kid in Halloween. He just wants to dance. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I I wore my Ghostbusters t-shirt this past weekend to go see him. He's like, that's the ultimate shirt. He's like, I want that one. He's like, it's so cool. He's like, you're in everything cool. And I was like, I am. I am very cool. Thank you. <laughs> That's why he's the king of heart, baby. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was like, don't tell him I have a podcast. Because if you listen to that, too. <laughs> I was like, get on him. Is the Dean awake yet or is he still asleep? I don't I like know, he's man. Still, he's still checked out. <laughs> I mean, we can keep it going. Wait, were you guys not um, hearing me? No. no hello? Oh. Were you, were you talking? Dude. I've been like, I've been like talking That's and like trying to get your fucking attention, and I'm like, why the fuck am I being ignored? Why are people not listening? To because we just, we, we, were, we were going, Dean, Dean, where are you, man? And we got nothing. <laughs> so we <laughs> and then I'd be like, off. and then I would like say <laughs> some shit, and then I figured you just carried on with the conversation. I'm sitting here ready to fucking go, Jesus. Uh, anyway, <laughs> well, well, now you can go. Let's go, baby. All right. Well, what I was starting to say, and this was it, because I started started to say these following words and was like, why is nobody (laughs) responding to me? But what I wanted to say before we got into it, when you said, you said, let's, oh, let's, let's, uh, you know, get back on track and uh, talk about, uh, get back on track in horror. I said, oh, before we get back on track, I first, I said, uh, are we, have we ever even been on track tonight? And then I said, before we get back on track, I did want to send before we started a, a hearty congratulations, uh, to our very own, uh, King of horror and, and his, and his slick new automobile new. and, uh, yeah, you, uh yeah. say to you to not fuck that shit up. Uh, make sure you get that oil changed every 3000 miles. Oh boy. Oh, hell yeah. No, that's that oh, thing's gonna don't. be clean. It needs to be taken care of. No food, oh, I'm gonna no be writing that about that. I'm gonna car. I'm gonna be teaching you how to take care of that <laughs> bitch like you wouldn't believe, man. Teaching you how to fucking detail. Te- teaching you how to fucking take care of an engine. We're gonna have like all kinds of fucking Ralph Macchio moments, man. <laughs> wax on, wax off, motherfucker. You better get ready. <laughs> but yeah, you need you to go. drive in it first. I know. I'll give you the keys, monkey. You can take it for a ride. Mm. Yes. <laughs> See what she can do. <laughs> but yeah, oh, sorry it, about it, that, uh, Dean, with your mic issues. But yeah, no, you have the floor. What are we, what are we going to talk about before we get into the movie? So, uh, you were talking about, or, or some of you were talking about your opportunities to to see uh, the new screen film, of which I have not seen yet. But I did want to say that mm-hmm. um, one uh, scream the opening weekend was uh, scream was the film to to finally knock Spider Man from the top spot. Uh, and yeah. not only that, uh, 
Scream had one of the highest totals ever for uh, Thursday previews, pulling in uh, three uh, something, three something million dollars uh, on Thursday, uh, coming in uh, like third yeah. place behind Bad Boys for Life and Glass. In addition to this, it opened at a weekend opening uh, at a at a very pleasing thirty point six million dollars. Uh, and the previous Scream film had an opening weekend of $18.6 million. Uh, so so uh, business was good for the new Scream film, and all of the people there Excellent. are uh, excited about that. And uh, not only that, just a little Scream fact, uh, the actor uh, Mason Gooding, who plays the character of uh, Chad Meeks Martin, the nephew of... Uh, God, why can't I fucking read my god Randy uh, Randy Randy Meeks uh, uh, you know he had met with the directors uh, you know to talk about a role and he had mentioned that when he was in college he had actually written a six page essay about if any horror series deserved to meet the reboot uh, treatment that it should be the Scream series and the directors were like oh that sounds interesting we'd like to read that uh, please send that to us so he sent it to them and uh, then he didn't hear anything for weeks, and he just figured, oh, well. But then uh, the directors contacted him directly uh, and offered him his role uh, directly. So, um, you know, maybe cool? some of that, yeah. uh, you know, some of that business where you're like, oh, hey, I'm in college, and I'm going to write my fucking college fucking thesis about the Scream series. And everyone is like, <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you? Uh, leads uh, to a role in, in a Hollywood film. So, uh, so there's some Scream news. <laughs> Uh, I did not know this. I do not know if this is common knowledge or not, but Kane Hodder, uh, who we all know from his uh, many, many uh, roles, uh, Mm -hmm. there was a scene uh, in Friday the 13th, 8, Jason Takes Manhattan, uh, that Kane Hodder as Jason absolutely refused to do. Uh, There was a scene in Jason Takes Manhattan where uh, once assured... Uh, when climbing out of the water, uh, the character of Jason was supposed to, to kick a dog, uh, and Kane Hodder refused. He said that uh, Jason Voorhees, even with like 200-plus kills, uh, Kane Hodder did not believe he would have been uh, so cool uh, as to have uh, hurt an animal. Uh, so uh, so yeah. that scene got removed uh, from the film. Yeah, I well, that. Well, well, Ghoul, you're the Friday expert, man. Has he ever harmed an animal? Yes, he killed the well, dog. Well, it's, been, in, it's uh... been indicated. In Friday the 13th Part 2, they found, like, the remains of a dog. Uh, but it was indicated, Which, but there was no dog, con- but muffin. It, was not, it was not Muffin. So, yeah, I guess no. we don't, because no. Muffin comes up at the end. But then again, that's also if that's a dream sequence versus if it's not it's a, dream a dream sequence. Yeah. Michael kills dogs. Okay. And, uh, Michael's dog. Michael killed dogs. Gordon. Oh, right? yeah. yeah. Definitely part Michael. Right? Does he kill Gordon in part four? I always forget. What happens to Gordon? Yes. He did. No, he Gordon did kill jumps Gordon. out of the window and escapes. Okay. Okay. And we just never see him again after that. Nope. He's like, fuck it. I'm out of here. And he jumps out of the second story window. <laughs> and just, you know, <laughs> fuck these crazy white people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Slow mo jumping out of the window is like fuck you guys. Good luck. <laughs> I, 
I, I'm I not think the chaser that we know that does harm, or or at least doesn't harm animals for cruelty purposes, but harms them for for eating purposes, would definitely be the remake version of Jason. The, uh, oh yeah, two thousand nine. Kind who's gonna who's gonna hunt and uh, and kill whatever the hell he comes across to to, to munch on it. Well, that's survival mm-hmm. versus cruelty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah. That's what I yeah. said. Yeah. Not, not for, for no reason, purpose, but for survival. Yeah. Yeah. All right. No, uh, whatever, yeah. Uh, the, the Friday the Thirteenth remake did come twenty years after Jason takes Manhattan, uh, and Kane Hodder no no longer playing the role. That was a a Kane Hodder yeah. insistence. That's or clear. Derek Mears. Yeah. Yeah. No, cool. Man. He would. He would definitely. Yeah. <laughs> good on him. You know, not well, harming a dog. That wouldn't make sense. Why would he just kick a dog and walk away? That's not Jason. For yeah. no reason. Doesn't like, make sense at all. Yeah. Yeah. No. no. All right, Dean. So continue. What do you got for us? Uh, moving on, uh, director Macon Blair's Toxic Avenger remake, which we know will be starring mm-hmm. Kevin Bacon, Elijah Wood, and Peter Dinklage. Well, Peter Dinklage has said that uh, this Toxic Avenger is still going to be over the top and crazy. He said to make a Toxic Avenger movie too clean is going to put distance in between the film and the audience, that the audience... Uh, they want to feel the dirt under their fingernails. So Peter Dinklage like promising uh, craziness and over the hot, uh, over the topness uh, with the upcoming Toxic Avenger remake. He's I'm, right. I'm, I'm yeah, like, yeah. yeah, if you're gonna do Toxic, man, is you know it's gotta have that certain feel to it, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got. You, I mean, Toxic Avenger Part One, where you run over a kid's head. You know, with a car. Like, you you got to reach that level. <laughs> you got to be able to, like, fuck it. We're opening it up. You know, we're going to do whatever we want. So I'm just, I'm excited for it, you know, and I'm hoping that it's not too glossed over. Whereas, like, this is just a trauma movie. You know, you got to be able to have fun and just be violent and gory. You know, just, just throw everything to the wind. This is what we're doing. So hopefully it's like that, but, yeah, who knows, you know. They might dumb it down a little bit and be like, "No, nah, we can't go too far." Like, well, Lloyd did. Kevin Icon. Well, is He's the first superhero from New it, Jersey. Is this one officially going to be Troma? Well, I'm sure Troma's going to be involved. I know Lloyd's been involved. Well, you know, of course, Lloyd's going to be involved. Like, yes, There's yes, a yes, paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> of course, they're paying him to just kind of give the character the to the movie. So yeah, I'm sure. He'll be there. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's probably not on set, you know, every day going, oh, no, 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 Toxie would do this. No, I'm pretty sure he's just sitting there kicking the paycheck. So, yep, guys, do whatever you want. I'm going to the bank. <laughs> Pulling a John Carpenter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but except John Carpenter would do the score, too. He'd be like, hold on, hold on, hold oh, on. that's on. right, got, that's right. I got my piano here. Hold on, hold on. My son's here and his friend's here. Kaufman and Michael Hers are both—they're uh, both producing it, so so it is. They're, okay. they're the co-founders yeah. of, of Troma, so yeah, they're there. Oh, sweet! Troma is the production company on the film. They—they they are part of it. Oh, Perfect. nice! All right, Say cool. No more. It's in good hands. Um, I mean, is there a release date for that yet, uh, Dean? I don't think so. Uh, I have not seen a listed release date in any of my readings about Toxic Avenger. Okay, well, stay tuned. And then we'll be back in Trumbleville before you know it. But, all right, Dean. So our loyal audience will be sure to alert you when we when we see this piece of information. Great. Filming supposedly wrapped on August fourteenth, twenty twenty one. So 
Okay. I would, uh, I would venture we're going to hopefully see it sooner rather than later, unless it's just a complete, unless it's a complete hot mess. Um, mm-hmm. And it will just <laughs> vanish off in the fucking distance, and, and nobody will ever know any different. Yeah, Lloyd will put <laughs> it on Trump video. I used to have a subscription to. Yeah, his streaming service, Trump and Al. Yeah, man, I gave Lloyd money for that. Not anymore. <laughs> I, had to, I had to let that go. I was like, I enjoyed it. I was like, but I can watch it for free on YouTube. Why am I paying for this? <laughs> because you're a loyalist. <laughs> I'm a trauma guy. I'm always through and through. I support Uncle Ward yes. in all his endeavors. <laughs> so, you know, I'm not a fan of that. But we have our first superhero from Jersey. I'm from Jersey, so it makes sense. But, uh, all right. So what else do you have for us, Gene? What are we talking about? So we recently talked about how the season – three premiere date of the boys has been announced. But uh, this yeah. week I'm here to tell you that uh, on March 4th, uh, we're going to see the debut of the boys animated spin-off series called the boys uh, presents uh, diabolical diabolical. Okay. What? Diabolical. Terrible. Diabolical. Diabolical. Yes, Diabolical. The animated animated (laughs) spinoff of The Boys is going to feature eight episodes in its own animation style, uh, featuring untold stories from the the rough and tumble world of of which The Boys takes place. Uh, The stories have been uh, written uh, by such notable performers as Aquafina, uh, Evan Goldberg, Blah. Seth Seth Rogen, uh, Andy Samberg, hmm. and Aisha Tyler. Um, I, hmm. in reading this, Aisha. just learned for the very first time that <laughs> Evan Goldberg and Seth Rogen were two of the three creators of The Boys. I had no idea. Uh, I didn't know so anyway, wow. uh, there. Okay. Uh, so this is going to be again an eight episode. Uh, animated spin-off series, and uh, this is one of two uh, boys uh, spin-off properties. The other one is going to be a live action uh, young adult college spin-off featuring the first college in the United States for superheroes uh, and all of the hijinks and raunchy endeavors uh, that take place uh, as you have come to know and love. Uh, from the world of the boys. No information on when we might see that, uh, but a lot happening in the world of the boys uh, over the last week or so. All right, so it definitely sounds like the animated series is definitely shooting for comedy. You know, so, I'm, I'm, yeah. So I'm guessing this is going to probably be like an adult swim kind of deal going on. Yeah, it sounds like... Uh, we shall see on March 4th. You got like less than, less than two months away till you get the answer to your questions, monkey. Can't wait. All right. Always good to hear news, and the, news about the boys. The 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 boys uh, animated spinoff does have an R rating, just so you know. Oh, wow, that's good. awesome. <laughs> Hoping so. So great. All right. So what's next, thing? What do you got? Uh, just a small piece of Halloween As? ends. Uh-huh. Actor, an actor, Michael O'Leary has signed on to play a character uh, known as Dr. Mathis uh, 
if you think back, you might recall that a Dr. Mathis was mentioned uh, in Halloween mm-hmm. Kills, uh, you know, yeah. from the doctor and nurse dressed Halloween costumed people. Uh, and this actor, Michael O'Leary, is best known for playing Dr. Bauer on the Guiding Light soap opera from 1983 to 2009, where he appeared in over 500 episodes. Uh, wow. So he will be playing the Dr. Mathis character and also, uh, Halloween Ends uh, begins filming uh, a little bit later this month, uh, still on target for its October release. Yeah, it was supposed to start this month, but I guess they pushed it back by a month, and they're going to kick it off in February. I know uh, James Jude I, uh, I was that. reading that it is starting later this month, in January, that, I, that it's starting at the end of the month. That's what I read. Interesting, because I know that James Jude Courtney said he was going to be reporting the 7th in February, so... I mean, we'll see what happens. Uh-huh. I mean, either way, it's on track. It's on track for the October release. But, uh, yeah, the uh-huh. Dr. Mathis thing, I was kind of hoping he was going to be a Smith's Grove guy, but no. Oh. He's a Haddonfield Memorial guy. <clears throat> oh. oh. <clears throat> Bring back oh. the Smith's Grove people. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's right. a little hard, but, ah. Okay. So do you have anything else, uh, Dean? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, I have Excellent. learned do it. Uh, that um, I don't know if any of us lately have been in the real estate market, but I have learned uh, we have missed our chance uh, that the original Nightmare on Elm Street house uh, recently hit for hit the market uh, in the original Nightmare on Elm Street film uh, located at 1428 Elm Street in Springwood, Ohio. Uh, the actual address of this house is 1428 North Genesee Avenue in Los Angeles. Uh, it was purchased back in 2013 for $2.1 million by a director named Laureen Scafaria. And she recently put it on the market and made a tidy little profit uh, selling this three-bedroom and three-and-a-half-bathroom, uh, two-level house for $2.98 million. So almost a million dollars worth of profit. And um, the real estate uh, listing uh, did make sure to note that uh, the value of this particular house is uh, 98.8% more expensive than other similar nearby properties. So uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street house is once again off the market in case you had been uh, to, Man. to, to yeah, make an investment in real estate. See, first we oh. tried the Amityville house, and then we tried the Elm Street house. It's like it seems like our GoFundMe's are just aren't fucking working, man. We're sitting there trying to become, no. you know, real estate moguls of the horror genre, and it's just not working. <laughs> we, yeah, we just can't yeah. make it happen. Unfortunately, it, it, it sucks. You know. I mean, what will we do with them? You know, I don't know, but we tried. We tried. No, what do you mean what will we do with them? We already established this. We would turn them into Talking Terror bed and breakfasts. That's what we've done. The Talking Terror Airbnbs, if you will. You know, it's like we have plans for this shit. And it all started when the the dean went to the fucking lighthouse right down the street from his house where they filmed the fog. You know, it's like we should, should have started with acquiring that and then getting Amityville and then Nightmare. It's like, oh, man. Man. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I would be too hungover with all that. <laughs> you know, I'd be the one stumbling downstairs in my boxes going, you guys are still here? 
check out <laughs> can you just get out of my house like I'd, I'd, I'd go fund at this house so yeah well <laughs> but, take but, but, visa. We paid it. but we rented it you did <laughs> when did you do that like when did you guys do that because I don't remember you doing that you, I just woke oh, up and you're in my house Dude, I like I've seen you try to handle my stairs. I would hate to fucking see you trying to handle a fucking light out. <laughs> you, you would just be be like the fucking Ghostbusters with a proton pack, be like, uh, uh, how many more flights? <laughs> yeah, the, is, can we just put an elevator in here, like just somehow <laughs> build something? Because I don't really feel like going all the way up and having to give tours. Can we just put an elevator <laughs> in here and just be okay with it? Like it's. I feel like this is a lot. Like I bought this house, and now people keep coming here and wanting to stay here. Like, do I need to come out with a shotgun and be like, just get away? <laughs> get off my lawn! <laughs> no, no, the they paid. They paid. No, 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 house. <laughs> yeah, that's how he would be if we bought the freak's house. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, no, it would be good. It would not be good. I mean, we would, I would mean well, but at the same time, like, why are you here? Yeah. This was your suggestion. You wanted to be real estate moguls. <laughs> That's why we're not. That's why we work real jobs. But, uh, all right. So, yes. Dean, do you have anything else you want to talk about before we get into the movie? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, you know, where, right. we, where we have learned that perhaps uh, in some capacity – uh, the Friday the 13th uh, lawsuit situation uh, has potentially been resolved, uh, but still uh, it might not be over. Uh, they can maybe take a playbook, hmm. uh, take a page from the playbook from Disney and Predator and learn a thing or two because uh, <laughs> Predator uh, screenwriters of the original 1987 two film, John and you never think you're going to hear together. Disney and Predator. Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, Disney and Predator, uh, uh, sorry, original Predator screenwriters, John and James Thomas, who wrote the 1987 film, have amicably settled uh, with Disney, and they have both agreed to drop their, uh, their lawsuits against each other involving uh, the rights of Predator, and everybody is walking away happy. Uh, there are obviously uh, no terms of the agreement. It's being kept private, but uh, everybody is happy, and uh, they were able to make this happen. Uh, so this has to do with the, uh, that stipulation that 35 years after um, that, a, that a property can revert to its original writers, uh, and uh, Studios have been tied up in courts about this stuff for quite some time. Other films that are in this situation include uh, Terminator, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and Die Hard. Um, but I don't know at this point if anybody is uh, clamoring for any, any, any more of those. But anyway, uh, so hmm. peace can happen. Uh, Victor Miller, uh, Mr. Cunningham, please uh, take, a, take a look at this and, and settle your differences and get your shit together. Uh, so we can, you know, I don't, I don't. I mean, I don't know if anybody wants more predators. Uh, given it's not so, 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 so when are we? So, so when are we getting the predator <laughs> Disney princess? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, because they sit there and bought up Princess Leia and made her one, too. And it's like, so now we've got to have a Predator Disney princess. Just don't make her look like the the. Just don't make her look like the female gremlin from Gremlins too. I mean, Disney apparently has been trying to to move forward with uh, some predator stuff uh, for some time, uh, and now uh, they they have the green light uh, to go ahead. And then I guess uh, finally, uh, because this is where we are at this point in our show. Uh, we've okay. talked previously about the uh, Alien TV series from Noah Hawley uh, that's being put together for Hulu. Uh, it's been announced that uh, Peter Jackson's uh, Weta special effects studio is going Hell to be yeah. handling all of the effects uh, for the upcoming Alien series. Weta is so fucking solid. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Anytime I hear that, like, you know, Weta's involved with the effects. Like, yeah. I, you know, I... Oh, whether it's the effects, whether it's the props, it's like they are just so fucking solid on their shit. <laughs> mm, yeah, I can't wait to see a practical effect alien show. No CGI in this one. They got weather behind it, so yeah, I have full confidence. They're really going to do something. Yeah. Good. All right. Yeah, same here, man. <laughs> All right. So, Dean, uh, this is your film pick of the week. It's One Shot of the Dead. From 2017, one cut of the dead directed by Shinichiro Ada in 2017. So why don't you take us away? Give us a synopsis and we'll get into this thing. All right. I don't want to give, uh, you know, too much away here as we're going to talk about it. But yes, one cut of the dead. And what caught my attention about this film last week during our show was the, uh, you know, the fact that there is a, a French remake in the works, but not that. Uh, what did catch my attention was that it was filmed for roughly $25,000 and has pulled in uh, over $30 million worldwide. So, um, yeah. you know, made me curious as to what was going on. Uh, then learning of its availability to see on Shutter. I decided in the last minute to make this film my pick. So we have one cut of the dead. And in this film, uh, we follow the cast and the crew of a low-budget zombie film as uh, they are uh, trying to film a low-budget zombie film at an abandoned, at an abandoned uh, location. And all of the pitfalls and pratfalls that come along with uh, pursuing such an endeavor, especially once zombies show up, at the site of the film's shoot. So I don't want to get into too much of the plot surprises at this portion, because I know we will talk about it further in our discussion. So that is the loose synopsis of one cut of the deck. Okay. All right. So cool. what do you think about one cut of the dead? So, you know, I, uh, this was one of those where, you know, I, uh, I, I didn't look up anything and you know me, I go full spoiler free on everything. Don't know anything about this movie. Never heard anything about this film. I had no idea that this movie existed in any way. But the Dean made a pick, and I knew the Dean made an audible. And, you know, look, you know, I'm, I'm on record as saying there's a lot of times the Dean makes picks, and I groan. And I'm like, great, I'm not going to like the movie this week. And, yeah, kind of, exactly how I fucking feel, man. Um just like that. That's what I do. I walk around the house and I'm like, rah, 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 rah. They're like, oh, God, fucking Dave must have picked this week. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> um, 
that that happens with yes, the Kings picks as well. Um, but typically, when it's when it's the Kings pick, at least I know that it's going to be in in English dialogue. Uh, whereas with the Dean's picks, it's always foreign. Um, so it's the first half hour foreign. of this this it's, it's it's a lot of times more often than not it is foreign. Um, and I love you for it. Thank you. So. The first half hour of this movie is is, is rolling well, along or so, and I'm and, and I'm like, man, it's another one of these fucking movies, isn't it? Great. <laughs> and then the movie takes that shift, and when it took that shift, I found myself just smiling more and more and more as the film just penultimately just made its way to its finale. So in the end, my my feelings on this movie, I ended up enjoying the shit out of this film. This was a good time. So thank you, Dean, for a pick. Monkey, what did you think about One Cut of the Dead? Uh, Yeah, this film. Yeah, I must say that I respected the attempt to do 30 minutes of non-stop action, gore, and horror. That being said, if you fail at that attempt, in no way, shape, or form should you be presenting that failure to us. We've covered a lot of films on this show, a lot of really good ones and a lot of really bad ones. And in no way is this a way to uh, dig at the Dean. You know, um, you know, we often go in blind on these films, and we just don't know if they're great or not until we actually give them a chance. This is the very, I just, very I just, first. I just want to say. I'm I not done. Dean, Dean, well, I I'm apologize. not done. I apologize. All right. This is the very first time where I was seriously in a, in a ghoul state of mind, where I was seriously thinking, I refuse to give this movie a chance to finish this film. This film was just absolute fucking rubbish. It's like from the horrible acting to the crap effects, the shaky cam. It's like this was like just a Voltron of disappointment. And it's like I got through it, and but it's like honestly, it's like – I don't know how this movie, like, fucking got the acclaim that it got because it was just pure fucking pain to sit through. All three acts were just fucking pain. Um, all right, let, let King go ahead and have his say, and then you can sit there and reiterate, Dean. Um, King, what do you think of this film, brother? <laughs> um, yeah, I first heard about it because it was on Shudder, uh, you know, about a year or so ago. So I decided to check it out because it had a, you know, a lot of people talking good things about it. Um, so I decided to check it out, and I really did like the fact that the first 35 minutes are done in one cut. You know, there's just no cutting. There's no edits. It's just one cut. And then they go into this whole backstory about how they're making it into one cut of the dead for the zombie channel. You know, it's going to be live. It's going to be 30 minutes. So they have to do everything. <clears throat> so the first time I watched it, I was like, eh, it's okay. You know, it's fun. I enjoyed it. But, you know, the second time I watched it now for the show, I enjoyed it a little bit more because you get to see everything have a payoff. So everything that you had a problem with within the first 35 minutes, you see why it was a problem and how the director got around to do these things. So it's kind of like you're watching the movie within the movie and seeing how he could make it work with what he had and see all these things happening that were going wrong on the set and he was just going to make it work somehow to make it good. Uh, so I won't say that I hate this movie. I actually really like it. So, you know, I apologize, Monkey. I know that you didn't have a good time, but you know, I think it's, <laughs> it's well worth a watch. Just to see, you know, one of those movies within a movie where it's like, okay, well, 
we're seeing the first 35 and now we're going to see how it got made. You know, so I enjoyed it. It was, it was just, it was funny. It was, you know, gory and those good parts, but it was like watching a trouble production behind the scenes. I get what you're saying, man. Uh, Dean, what were you going to go ahead and say, brother? Well, what I was going to go ahead and say uh, to your point, Monkey, is that uh, there are definitely uh, times without question that uh, I search for and, and pick like the worst movie that I can find to pick on purpose. Dang! Uh, this, <laughs> this, <laughs> this, this was not one of Making those true feelings known. Um, as I explained my reasoning earlier, uh, I did not choose this for its quality because I knew nothing about it uh, in advance. Um, what I wanted to say uh, in relation to like picking shitty movies on purpose, as I was watching the first segment of this film and not knowing yet what was happening, I really was like, Oh God! What have I done? What have I picked? This is fucking terrible. <laughs> like, you know, sometimes I pick them. Like, I'll pick them like that on purpose. Sometimes, I mean, sometimes you pick a movie and it just happens right. to be a dud. We've all done it. There's nothing yeah. we can do about that. But you know, yeah, this was not yeah. that. This is not one of these times. And I'm watching this first part, and I'm like, really? Like, this is this fucking shit that I picked? Like, this really, really like <laughs> loud, screamy. Uh, like low budget, like, and honestly, like I didn't even pick up on the fact at first that it was all in one take. Um, I didn't figure that out really? until okay. a little bit okay. later. Yeah, really. Uh, I was just so um, distracted by one, the, ins- the absurdly constant loud screaming that was tremendously distracting. But uh, once it shifted gears to become this kind of, a uh, movie within a movie about making a movie, uh, I thought how, you know, how interesting, you know, what, a, what an interesting concept. And while that doesn't change for me at all, the fact that the opening 35 minutes was, uh, aside from the, you know, if you want to call it brilliance of uh, 35 straight minutes of, of uncut action, uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't change for me that how tough it was to watch that whole opening sequence. Uh, obviously, once the rest of the film unfolds, you realize why it's presented in that fashion. Uh, but yeah, what I thought this to be like a, you know, especially once you got through that first part, I found this to be like a very like interesting and fun and like tr- like kind of yeah. entertaining and even like triumphant little movie. Uh, watching them go through, uh, you know, what you must go through and kind of almost getting like a true sense of, you know, what independent filmmakers, uh, you know, Face in trying to get their vision to the screen. So, um, so you know, not the best movie that I've ever seen, um, but but I, I am pleased with my pick and found it to be quite entertaining, especially the second. Yeah, being, I mean, I, being I, the people that I, we are and the things that we've been involved with and the people that we know, you know, I know me, King. Yeah. You know, we we've seen from the the independent side of things how these movies get made. We know what what it's like to do it, and, and we've we've witnessed. The, the trials and the tribulations and the hardships yeah, we have doing that yeah. when everything is fully planned, you know, for the most part, everything is set up. And yeah, there may be shit that comes up here and there. Maybe, maybe a thing of lighting doesn't work or, or something on set is a little bit off or, or somebody can't make it. But the idea of presenting this very project live in one long cut 
with no edits. You know, like, I, I don't know if you guys watch any of the, uh, the, the, the programs that they've put on TV recently where they did, like, All in the Family, you know, live before yeah, the student audience, you know, and you're watching it live. So guess what? If you fuck yeah, up during yeah. that live performance, there's no going back. Yeah, there's no cut. Yeah. There's, no, there's no changing that. You know, what is down in front yeah. of that audience is what is down in front of that audience, and that is all of us at home watching it on TV. Um, so, so that alone makes it such a commendable type of project to really be willing to, to just try it. So for what they end up pulling off here, I love the little meta things that ended up happening. I, again, I really thought the movie was the first 35 minutes. So watching that, yes, killed me. I was like, oh, my God. But I did go back afterwards and rewatch that first 35 minutes after completing the film, and it really makes such a difference knowing what you're actually seeing because it makes the whole thing more fun. Okay, I get what you're saying there because then you're in the joke. You know, it's like you you know, you're in there, you know. But at the same time it's you know, going in blind, you're sitting there watching this thing and like the Dean has said, it was like, What the fuck am I watching? What mm-hmm. is this shit? Yeah. You know, and you know, just the horrible, horrible acting, you know, and just the horrible zombies that were involved here and like, you know, again, like you said, if you go back into it and watch it again and again, you're in the joke that time. So, you know, you're able to, to just tolerate it and laugh with it. But if you're going in blind and checking this thing out for the very first time, it's like, unfortunately, it's like this first 35 minutes put such a bad taste in my mouth. I really honestly did not give a fuck what the rest of it had to say because I was like, after sitting through that shit, you know, yeah, you know, I, I, I was, like, just so fucking frustrated. But th- then, final act, though, where we sit there and go at the behind the behind the scenes, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I did enjoy that part of – no, I must admit, I did enjoy that part of, again, seeing the, the practical, the actual, you know, acting side of practical effects in a film because, you know, I always fucking love that shit. And I, I just always loved the behind-the-scenes shit. And it, it was a, a good bit of fun film there, I will admit that. Sorry, King, were you getting ready to say something? No, I was going to do a little bit of narration uh, of the movie to, to kind of get into it and, and go through the motions. But, uh, so the first 35 minutes of this movie is One Cut of the Dead. So we see there's a zombie, Ko, who is trying to attack uh, Chinatsu. And Chinatsu is just trying to get Ko to get away from her. And she finally tells him that she loves him and attacks him to kill the zombie. We have Hiragashi, the director, saying, cut. We've done this 42 times. What the fuck? Why can't we get it right? Why can't you be a better actress? Because she's a fucking evil. (laughs) We cut to the makeup effects artist now who's trying to tell, you know, know, Chinatsu, it's fine. The guy's crazy. You're doing great. You know, just keep doing what you're doing. You know, he's going to get his extra shots going. Uh, but did you guys know about the water filtration building that we're in? Like, you know, there's this curse, it's haunted, you know, and there's this whole thing where if you paint a blood pentagram, you know, it could bring about the dead because that was a whole experimentation aspect of it. So while they're entranced in all this, you start to see banging on the door. And through that door, you see one of the cameramen going outside. He's eventually bitten by a zombie. And his arm is ripped off. 
and thrown through the door. So they're like, oh, that's, good. It's that's really cool. And it's like, no, it's no that's actually something. They're like, oh, shit, like Sean of the Dead. He's got an arm off. He's got an arm off. So now it's a whole thing of, of, you know, the crew freaking out and the trio of Ko now and Chinatsu freaking out because they're being attacked by zombies. So now they're running through the water filtration building with uh, the director fucking losing his mind. Where he's like, hey, action, action. This is great. Go with it. Go with it. You're a zombie. Action! He's he so fucking excited to be filming all of this. And we have one of the, the, the crew members being attacked and thrown outside, screaming until his death happens off screen. And again, you know, Hiragashi is just screaming the entire time. Got to keep it going. Got to keep it going. Keep the camera running. So again, this 35 minutes is one shot. It's one continuous shot, which I just I was having so much fun doing. When Yamago, the guy that gets forced outside, is killed off, we get Hiragashi running back inside saying, we need to keep filming. Uh, Ko, Chinatsu, and now lock themselves inside the building. And now reveal reveals that the thing chanted about a spell of blood, but every time that they try to tell you what's going on, they get cut off. So when you have now yeah. saying, well, it's a, it's a thing, it's a chant of spell of blood, you know, no one's coming to rescue us, so we need to get to safety. Here, Garashi comes running in and he goes, hey, we're not done yet. Woo! Like, you know, got zombies, <laughs> you know, pushing, yeah, you know, Yamago <laughs> back to the door. He keeps throwing more zombies at him and yelling action. It's like, you know, and when you're watching this film, it's like he's a fucking demented-ass fucking, you know, director that somehow summons zombies and is throwing his actors into danger to try and get the perfect horror film. Which, again, mm-hmm. we've seen so many absurd movies that it's not like that is so full. I mean, come on. At some point in the, in the history of this show, we covered a movie about, you know, possessed sushi. Okay, that. It's like, oh, great. You know, like, again, I've seen terrible movies. So what I'm finding entertaining Dude, as Dead far Sushi as this goes, fun, bro, it wasn't blood beat. As far as this oh, point goes, Sushi. what I'm enjoying is the fact that this is all one cut. See, again, like, you know, unlike the D, yes. I picked up on the fact that the name of the movie was One Cut of the Dead. So in my head, I'm saying to myself, <laughs> wow, they're going to actually make an hour and a half film that is going to be all one One hit. cut. So, That's what I'm know, thinking, like, too. And now as I'm watching this, I'm thinking back to, like, Halloween, where you have that opening sequence, you know, and I'm looking for, like, Little spots where they can cheat and get away with, like, a cut, like when they do yeah. the mask or when they're going up the stairs. Like, and I'm just waiting for something like that so, like, I can catch it and be like, ha, ah, these motherfuckers didn't do this in one cut. But you know what? They ended up pulling the whole damn thing off. Uh, the only place where I think they might have they gotten a cut in is at the sequence in which they fall when they run into the field and the camera pans yeah. to yep. the sky real quick. And that's, the only, that's yeah. the only place that I think we actually get a cut, and I think we do see why that happens later on. 
Yeah, because I was we thinking do. the exact and same thing, man, because, again, like Alfred Hitchcock's yeah. rope, where everyone sits there and thinks that's all done in one take. Like you were saying, they were just really fucking smart and did certain yeah. shit where you could sit there and then do a cut, an actual cut, you know, but they market it as one cut. So, yeah, like you, Google, I was, wa- I was watching, you know, for the shit behind the magic show, be like, oh, there's no fucking way there's going to be one actual cut, you know. But, yeah, after seven minutes of watching, I was like, holy fuck, this is all one fucking cut. Are they actually going to sit there and actually yeah. try and fucking do this <laughs> for an hour and a half? It works. <laughs> it's, it's, and it just really does work because you go from – the attack in the building to the van to them running to the rooftop, you know, where now goes kind of crazy where she thinks that Shinatsu has been bitten and she needs to be taken care of. Like she needs to be killed and Ko and now have their fight <laughs> where now gets cut in the head and she's on the ground where she just jumps up suddenly. And she's like, what? And it's like, what? Okay. <laughs> keep going. Keep going. When she pops up, with the axe still in her head, but was not one of the zombies, I started fucking cracking up. Like, I was like, wow, this movie, like, again, like I said, I really thought at this point, like, wow, the movie's really going to be this bad, so I might as well just, like, enjoy the stupidity of it. Um, but, yeah, no, it, it, it continues to go. Because you have them going to the rooftop, and, and no, and, you know, Co have their fight, and then... Ko is grabbed off screen, he screams, and then all of a sudden, the next time that Shinatsu sees him, he's a zombie, and we go to the beginning of the movie where she says that she loves him and cuts off his head, and then goes into this kind of trance-like state where she enters a bloody pentagram, and you have this great-looking crane shot, and we'll see how they do that uh, later on in the movie, and then all of a sudden, cut, one cut of the dead. I'm like, what the fuck? I was like, is this the movie? Is that it? Like, why is there so much time left? It's like, no, yeah, no, we're, we're, we're in the movie within the movie. Like, this is, See, but, you just watched One Cut we're of the Dead. And, we're getting credits and everything. I even turned to the cool girl at that point, <laughs> and I was like, I go, I think they're fucking with me. And she was like, what do you mean? I go, I go, I think the movie's fucking with me right now. I go, because it's rolling credits. Because <laughs> I didn't hit pause. I'm like, and I can swear, there's still like an hour to go in this fucking thing. Meanwhile, she walks out of the room, and two seconds later, I hear her turn around and go, she goes, don't you have to watch the movie for the show this week? And I go, I am watching it. And she goes, I thought you were watching Squid Game because I had been watching that <laughs> earlier. And I'm like, I go, geez, that's fucking racist. <laughs> yeah, I, and then when the credits start rolling, I was like, holy fuck, that's awesome, only 35 minutes, fuck yes, and I go to end the film, and I was like, how the fuck do I have another hour left of this fucking movie, what the <laughs> yeah. fuck yeah. is this bullshit, yeah, you I was do. like, oh, they pull it on I was like, this you. is they fucking really bullshit, <laughs> they do a really good job pulling it on you, because then all of a sudden it fades to white, and you get one month ago, and yeah, Takayuki Hamatsu directing a film on the rooftop with one of the production uh, people that's going to be a zombie later on in the film that attacks one of the cameramen. So he's directing this thing, and he's, he's a director that's being tapped for the zombie channel. So you have a man and the a woman producing channel. the zombie channel. <laughs> and the woman is fucking frightening to look at. This little Japanese <laughs> Dude! I was like, oh, I, man. I fucking nightmare this. She looks like something out of a Miyazaki film. She looks like she could be one of the characters out of a Miyazaki film. Dude, she, yeah, she's yeah, she straight out of one of my fucking horror hentais, man. 
<laughs> yeah. So they you. approach Hamatsu about directing this thing for the zombie channel. And they're like, listen, this is going to be great because there's two hot features for this project. It's going to be live on the channel, 1 p.m. for 30 minutes. The second hot feature of this project is that it's going to be done in one continuous take. One take with what? one camera. And Hamatsu's <laughs> like, yeah, fuck you guys. What? Are you serious? That's stupid. Like that's we no like no it just it doesn't kind of just no sorry no and they're like no no it's gonna be fine you got this and he's like all right well I guess we're good and then you get the real this time one cut of the dead credit sequence where you get all the actors names that are really playing the actors in the movie and it's like okay now we're getting another credit sequence you know it's like okay now you know who we're really dealing with and the weird thing is they do it all in English for some reason. They sit there and do this, you know, you know, baby driver shit, you know, of you know, you know, this this person, this person, loud music, slamming the, vo- <laughs> all the names on there, and for some reason they're in English. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, it was it was so weird, but I was like, okay, now we're getting another credit sequence. You know, I was like, all right, I'm I'm good. <laughs> you know, I'm just I'm kind of into it because I want to see what's going to happen next. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I'm wondering what the hell it is that I'm actually watching. Like, you know, I'm thinking, is this like some kind of like, is this like a three or like a two, like a film and a film and a film type of deal? Like, what is actually going on? Or, 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 or did everything that we witnessed in that first 30 minutes happen? And this is literally what led up to it. Like, we've seen flashbacks in other movies of this nature. You know, is it going to show us how the actual horror began, you know? Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too, man, was, you know, we're in like, kind of like a high school, the musical, the musical, the musical, the show, whatever. You know, of this is, like, what led up to it, and what we're going to actually end up seeing is an actual zombie attack that was captured in one take. And that's where this movie gets clever, because you see the whole production behind what's going on for One Cut of the Dead, you know, where you have Hamatsu as a director, you know, reading the storyboards, reading the script. Um, his wife, Harumi, who we see eventually is going to play now, you know, doing the whole self-defense instruction video, pum, pum, <laughs> pum, like, you know, and she's just having fun with that. And now their daughter, who was just obsessed with, with trying to make this thing happen, wearing really fucking great T-shirts. You know, she's got the Scarface T-shirt, oh, she has the Shine T-shirt, you know. Um, so we get to see the whole behind the scenes. Taxi driver, so we, we have, uh, Bickle at one point. Yeah. 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 She did. Yeah, um, Scarface. <laughs> the, one, the, the actress that's playing Chinatsu, she's like, uh, my agency won't let me be covered in vomit, but I'm okay with it. They're totally not. So can we just not let that happen? And Machu's like, I guess. Like, you know, we'll figure it out. Not which, again, is one, of the, which is one of those funny yeah. things where if you remember the beginning sequence, you yeah. remember what happens to her. But by this mm-hmm. point, because I, because I was so confused as to, like, what and how bad that beginning sequence was, I completely forgot. So now when we get to the third act and we see how all of that unfolded, I am, like, mm-hmm. belly laughing, like, holding my stomach, <laughs> yep. tears so fucking falling out of it's my so eyes, good. loving everything that's going on. Um. 
We have our first zombie in One Cut of the Dead is Hosada in the movie. He's being played by Murnaba uh, Hosai. And Hosai has a problem with alcohol. I'm sorry. I'm doing okay. Just a little. Yeah, he just, he, he just likes the sake just a little bit. Because he's so, so much it, where it, he's, it got, he's got fucking, hand. you know, TD. <laughs> yeah, he, he has the, the shaking hand. And, but he decided for this production, he's not going to have any alcohol. He's like, I'm just going to be clean. I'm going to be sober. Doing it for my daughter. Like, it's going to be fine. And, you know, but then you soon, you soon see that he has a shaking hand. So it's like, what the fuck am I going to do? Luckily, Sake gets delivered on set, so he's like, oh, whee, all right. <laughs> That'd be fine. Nobody needs to know. Oh, okay. a couple sips. All the good stuff. <laughs> yeah, um, but, but also, you know, but also the, you know, director, you know, uh, uh, Higurashi, you know, he's like, oh, really? You're going to do this thing sober? You know, and he explains, yeah, I'm doing it for my daughter. You know, we've had some issues in the past, you know, and I'm trying yeah. to do this for my daughter and you can tell that like you know they're longtime friends and he's like you know dude i'm so proud of you for being able to try this you know awesome you know you go ahead and go through this shot you know dry that's cool I, i'm proud of you yeah. and i support you but we also see that uh the actor playing yamago who has the, the white uh you know bandage around his head uh his name is shantaro he can only drink soft water he can't drink hard water because if he drinks hard water, <laughs> it's going to cause him to diarrhea. Which, again, some of the stuff, the payoff that happens, because that was yeah. one of the things during the first 30 minutes that I remember looking at that character and being like, what the fuck is he just sitting like? And in my head, I'm thinking, wow, is this like guy supposed to be like he's playing in shock? Is he doing this? So when he goes like <laughs> bursting out the door earlier in the film, I'm like, okay, well, that was kind of fucking just stupid. But, <laughs> yeah. oh, my God, the fucking turnaround. <laughs> the payoff so, is so good. So great. It's so fucking good, the payoff. That's why I said. This movie is all about fucking payoffs. Like, just to get to, like, everything that you watch within the first 30 minutes, uh, 35 minutes, you're like, oh, shit. Like, why is this so weird? Like, why is it so low budget and just not really good? Then you find out why. Like, you find out what happened behind the scenes, which I thought was a good payoff. Um, so we have uh, Kezuzake, who is playing Ko, who's a, you know, Japanese pop star, a Mao, the daughter of Hamatsu, that's obsessed with him and loves him. You know, he's just, I don't want to get blood on me. I don't want to do all this. Um, so it's, he's just playing the deep kind of character. Um, Shut up, BTS you know, boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we see uh, Sina Hamatsu chugging sake, you know, just crying his eyes out going, this isn't going to fucking work. Like, this project is fucked. Like, I don't know how I'm going to do it. You know, we see a photo of him and his daughter Mao when she was a kid sitting on his shoulders, you know, holding a camera. So foreshadowing towards the end of the movie. Um, the stock uh, arrives see, on set, and Manubu is okay, like, oh, but, but, <laughs> uh, yep. but that moment, though, I like, they, he literally just had a moment, you know, with the guy that was going to try and go dry, and he was talking about yeah. how he can't yep. cry. And, I, right. and you know, and that, that's the thing about the director and his daughter is they keep, you know, trying to instill in the actors that you can fucking cry. You can fucking cry. Stop trying to use fucking saline solution. You can fucking cry, you know. And mm-hmm. I thought... The moment is that I thought he wasn't sad. I thought it was a thing of him trying to sit there and figure out the technique of being able to make yourself cry. 
that could be it too. I mean, I, I, I took it as him just going, this thing's going to fucking suck. Like, this is not going to go well. Like, you know, it's, just, it's not going to, you know, I have so many problems because the sake lies on set and the new boo is like, hell yeah, but not hell yeah, because I'm going to go sneak off and have a, a couple swallows of, of sake, you know, get me in the mood for this movie. Couple? And Shintaro accidentally drinks hard water. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and Shintaro accidentally mixes up his bottle, so he drinks the hard water, and he's like, oop, got to poop. You know, so for the rest of the movie, you know, he's gripping his stomach yeah. going, oh, my God. It upsets his tummy. Yeah. It's yeah. coming out. Yeah. It's coming out. <laughs> what comes out? But he's sitting there, and, and, and they're, they're we're, you know, we're, we're playing with the third act here, and they're showing us, mm-hmm. you know, the, the actual process of the filming. You know, we, we lose two of the actors. They start, you know, they, they put the daughter, they, they put the wife in. The director actually has to come into the movie now as the director of the film within the film. Right. So now he can't be directing from the background. He's got to be in the movie directing and playing the director Mm -hmm. of the movie in the movie. Uh, Again, all this meta stuff, getting getting real fun. But like I said, these little background things. The fact that the guy is actually really drunk. So here he comes stumbling around, and they're all fucking ad-libbing shit because he's lit and not hitting his parts. You know, the dude drank the wrong water, so now he's got the shit. So he's sitting there in the fucking corner, holding his belly, trying not to shit his fucking pants, and he wants to creep out at that one moment, and they yell at him not to do it. And it's like, oh, my God, I'm fucking loving this. Yep. I, I, I... I love the fact that they cut to when it goes live um, and they're filming and it's like, okay, we're live. This is happening. And you go back to the beginning of the movie where they hear the banging on the door and they're like, what's that? And then you see it's the director. <laughs> to wake up. <laughs> he just bangs his head to the door and they're like, go with it. Go with it. And, and then all, all those bad moments. All the bad moments mm-hmm. when they're stalling. And, like, I remember earlier in the movie thinking to myself, God, like, you know, why is the dialogue so bad? Wow, look at, like, it's like those awkward <laughs> moments that we have every now and again where it's, like, dead silence for, like, yeah. all of three seconds. Yep. Yeah, that three seconds yeah. feels like fucking, like, 18 minutes, and then it's like, okay, yeah, we're professional here. Um, so they're going, oh, man. But, like, now knowing that that was happening because of all the other shit going on and her ad-libbing her whole thing of, like, you know, that, that her hobby was, you know, was, was the whole self-defense. self-defense thing. But they were just coming oh, up with oh. something to fucking kill the time. Bum! <laughs> yeah, that's what caused it because they're like, oh, you got to go. You got to go. Improvise. And she's like, oh, you know, I, I practice self-defense. That's my hobby. And bum, bum. And then we see Hamasu guiding you know, Manabu to going into the actor that's playing Hiroshi, and he vomits on him. And Hiroshi's like, oh, my God, is there any whites? Is that real? <laughs> you know? And it's like, you know, oh, God, like that was actually a real vomit because the actor <laughs> just pissed all over him. Yeah, because again, we used to go back to the original cut. It's like, why the fuck are the zombies, you know, puking all over the people? Why aren't they biting them? Why the fuck are they puking? What the fuck kind of zombie is this where you puke on them before you bite them? So, what the fuck <laughs> yeah. did they fucking write here? <laughs> and then we have Shantaro, who's playing Yumayu, who's having the stomach issues, like we said, because he drank the wrong water. So, it leads to the scene being improvised where he runs outside of the building and starts screaming so he can poop, like, you know, and. 
know, like, <laughs> in the weeds. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I just have to go. <laughs> you know? And your monster's like, it's fine, you... it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> We're going to be okay. I'll just go. Hey. Yeah, and then you hear the screams from him, and you think he's you know, him being attacked by zombies. It's really him just needing to take a shit in the yard, you know, because he can't fucking get into the fucking porta potties, you know. So he's having to fucking take a shit while they sit there and try and do makeup on him while he's taking his shit. He's embarrassed. <laughs> the the the, the, make, like, the makeup do artist doesn't want to even come near him. We don't have the time. Just do it. And she just starts like slathering him with the blood with the fucking paintbrush and stuff. But doing yeah, this, Hamas's daughter Mao, Hamas's daughter Mao has that whole sequence. She's like, dude, this is fine. We can make this fucking happen. He can go shit. We got a body double. You know, we got this dummy. We'll bring it into the frame, and we'll have the head. You know, it'll look like he's a zombie. We'll cut off his fucking head. It's going to be fine. And producer's like, oh, shit. Make it happen, baby. Make it happen. You know, let's keep it going. So even though, you know, you know Shintaro is shitting, it's like, no, we can got this. We got this. It's fine. <laughs> They wander into the frame, we get it done, we go to the van sequence, and we see that the camera was knocked to the ground, and the cameraman fucking backs out. He's <laughs> just staring off in his face like, oh, shit. I can't get up, I can't get up. So we have, yeah, you know, I... Mal grabbing the camera going, I'm on, I'm on it, I'm on it, and running with the camera <laughs> you know, to get to the rest of it. So it's like to see everything have a fucking payoff. So everything that you might have had a problem with within the first 35 minutes, we're getting the payoff. We're seeing why it was so fucking bad. Like, this is them being live for 30 minutes, just trying to make this thing happen. Um, and then we have Kazuzaki talking to Hamasa, going, you fucking hit me earlier. That was fucked up, man. Nobody's ever hit me before. <laughs> and then his wife shows up, and she's like, you fucking bitch. Slaps her fucking And then this is where stuff gets even more fun because now we start finding out that there are all kinds of other crazy things going on. The reason why his wife doesn't act anymore is because she would lose herself in the roles. So this girl would go full on method acting. So now, like, uh, (laughs) unfolding before us in my head, I start thinking about what we saw earlier in the movie. So now I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, God. So I know when she's acting like a nut later, it's because she fucking goes crazy now. So, like, yeah, at this point, I realized that we're not going we're never going to get, like, real zombies <laughs> in the movie. Like, I've come to this this conclusion. <laughs> yeah. But what we are getting is so entertaining at this point that there's, there's just, I'm oh, loving it. Yeah. I'm loving it. I'm laughing. Yeah. I'm smiling. I'm having a damn good time with, with yeah. everything about it. Puking, yeah, you name it, oh, it's in there. Oh, because the wife is lost out in her fucking role, you know, and the director oh, is, yeah. you know, told her, you know, yeah. you need to calm, you need to calm down, you need to calm down. And she's like, <laughs> I'm, I'm fucking dead calm. And he's like, Oh, oh fuck, oh shit. She just went, when oh. He, <laughs> when he realizes it, and then it becomes part of his job to start intercepting her <laughs> at all these different locations, it's great because like he's trying to stop her from doing shit, but then all of a sudden he's yeah. back in a shot somewhere, and that's what we see every time like he pops out of a door and he's like, action. Typically, it was because he was trying to stop something else from happening. <laughs> 
But just to see Harumi like going around taking the role too seriously, and she's just kicking him in the chest, punching him in the face, and he's like, "Hold on, hold on, I'll get her, I'll get her, I'll get her. It's gonna be fine. Let's just go. Let's just go." And then she Dude, breaks she the train ro- shot. And Dude, it's when like, she oh, ran shit. out oh, and shit. jump kicked that one kid, she like hits the one guy, and then she she she, she hits the drunk guy, and then she jump kicks <laughs> yep. the kid with the glasses and the missing arm. Like the jump kick was so horrible. So like in the first sequence, it was oh. like, wow, that was really bad. But then in the second sequence, <laughs> knowing that she just did it because she was like in the moment, it was like, wow, that was fucking great. It was so bad, it was great. Oh, when when the drunk guy gets up and he doesn't know where the fuck he is, and Harumi's going <laughs> fucking mad, and he starts doing the weird fucking chi, tai chi movements where he's like, huh, huh, huh. <laughs> you know, he doesn't know what the fuck to do except just do that, and then she kicks him down. I love the fact that you know Hamasu has to put her in a chokehold, like, shh, shh, shh. like you know, lowering her to the ground. <laughs> just sleep, just what sleep, just sleep. <laughs> yeah. And then we have the cut to you know Chinatsu running into the building, and we get to see earlier they had that zombie leg. It had no fucking sense in that uh, 35 minutes. But then you get to see it's a guy fucking wearing boxers, and he's just like, pick up the axe, pick up the axe outside. <laughs> got it, got it. Let's go, let's do this. And meanwhile, Hamatsu's like, holy shit, our crane camera's broken because my wife went insane. How the fuck are we gonna make this happen? We have to get the crane shot. And the producer's like, no, we don't. No, it's fine. Yes, we do. Like, fuck that shot. Like, you know, he's like, no, it's integral to the movie. And he's like, dude, we really don't. You need to keep moving. He's like, it's integral. So Mal's like, I got it. Human pyramid. So you see the, the crew just hastily trying to climb up and make a pyramid while Hamatsu's trying to buy time. And anything happens right now. Anything can happen right now, but... We have to buy time while the crew builds a pyramid so we can get that final shot. Like, it, it just, Which is why we get, like, this uh, fucking five-minute-long scream in the film. Because he keeps telling her to scream uh, while they're trying to build the pyramid. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And then they finally get it, and Humatsu is almost at the top. Mal climbs the top of him. And you see the struggle, and you see them trying to make it work. You see the camera tilting left and right. As, you know, Chinatsu, you know, walks into the bloody pentagram and it's like, oh, shit, they're going to get it. They're going to get it. They're going to get the shot. And then you hear the countdown, you know, five, four, three, <laughs> two, one. We fucking did it. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, it's, it's so, like, I felt so good for the crew at that moment. I was like, they got it. Like, they got the shot. It worked. Like, it's a huge success. Everybody's been watching it. And, but it was the payoff. It was just the whole payoff of seeing everything that went wrong. In that 35 minutes and how they corrected it. I just thought that was brilliant. Which, by showing it that way, makes you realize how everything went right. You know what I mean? It's like, it was, yeah. it was, it was very, very, it was such an entertaining way to show it. And then, yeah, during the credits of the actual movie, we see all the real behind-the-scenes footage of like how they actually did everything, which is nothing like what we saw at all. It was filmed like a regular movie would be filmed. It was still kind of fun to watch. Yeah, yeah because then we get to there with... Yeah, when the actual credits yeah. roll, it's like then then you actually will get the behind the scenes behind the scenes of the actual movie. <laughs> Which I was so confused because was that like a Japanese cover of the Jackson Fives? I want you back. Like it sounds it so much like, like I want you back by the Jackson. <laughs> I was like a little bit cover. <laughs> like because it was so close, I didn't get a chance to see what song it was. But I was like, it's a cover. 
I was like, it has to be. I was like, it sounds so much like I want you back. And I was like, but just to see the actual bloopers that happened during the movie, it was like, it's, it's great. You see what they went through filming this movie. Like, it was just a lot of fun. And, you know, like I said, Monkey, I'm sorry you didn't like it. You know, I was hoping that you did because I, I thought it was fun. I mean, because the ghoul and I have been on a lot of, uh, of film sets, so we get it. <laughs> Anything can go wrong. Like, you know, you just you have to, you know, mm. make your marks and you have to have fun with it. But <laughs> you see, you know, what they go through to make it happen. And to see the final product is kind of amazing. And I think it's worth yeah, it. And that's the thing is, like, the third act was definitely the payoff, you know. And I enjoyed watching the third act. It's just the problem was the first act just put a sour taste in my mouth. And then the second act was, you know, oh, here we go. Now we have the behind the scenes of the casting. But, again, because I love practical effects so much and stuff like that, it was great to watch them do all of that in real time. And it was a rewarding viewing experience with the last act just to see them be able to pull all this off in real time. The, that that was fun and interesting. I will admit that, man. Mm, yeah. I mean, I like I said, I had a lot of fun with it. Um, it was great to see, like we had said, you know, what they had to do to make everything right during this live production. Yeah, and, dude. And you have, you know, a drunk camera member and things just not going where they want to. But, you know, he, he managed to make it happen, and that's – to me, that's what made the movie for me. Like, it wasn't the first 35 minutes, which was impressive, having that 35-minute one-shot. It was just to see all the payoffs. And, like, why didn't that work? And all of a sudden, you see why it didn't work. Or, like, why was this zombie just kind of going, mm, and kind of leaning on the guys? Because fucking Hamatsu was carrying him. And just had to, you know, sit behind him and try to carry him around because he was fucking drunk off his ass. Um, that's, you know, kind of what made the movie for me. I, just, I belly laughs all around. Uh, for one cut of the dead, especially during that sequence. Um, so as we close out, uh, next week, the pick is mine. So I, I kind of was inspired by the Dean for him picking. Oh. The the and I was, oh. I was inspired. I was inspired because I said, you know what? I like one cut of the dead. I want to kind of look up movies that are similar. Uh, and there's one out there where it's kind of, a horror movie slash documentary uh, that people may know, and I hope you guys listening out there might know this because we're going to cover it next week. And it's called Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon, directed by Scott Glosserman. It's from 2006. Robert England's mm-hmm. in it. Angela Gothel's mm-hmm. in it. Nathan Basil's in it. The late Scott Wilson that you might know from The Walking Dead's in it. It's a kind of weird mockumentary, if you will, about a serial killer and what he goes through to be the ultimate slasher. And it's available on Shutter, and I know Monkey will be able to find it as well, but it's a movie I, that I've wanted what, to talk what, about the show for a while. What year did this come out, brother? 2006. Okay, cool. So All right, Behind Hodder the Mask, 2006. Yeah, Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon, Kane Hodder has a part yep. in it, uh, Zelda Rubenstein, uh, Robert England, as I said. Uh, it's kind of just... Uh, a, a parody, a mockumentary, uh, if you will, about a slasher killer uh, and a film crew that decides to follow him as he picks his targets and decides who's going to be the final girl. So it's, it's one of my favorite movies, uh, Behind the Mask of the Rise of Leslie Vernon. 
So we'll be talking about that next week for my pick. Yeah, we will. So, interesting. You know, I, I, I'll tell you the truth. I, I almost picked this, uh, if not last really? month, okay. the month prior. Yes, yes. So, uh, so I, I am, I'm excited for this one. I, I have not seen this movie since me and the Dean uh, sat down and watched it, which would have been probably around the time, I'd say somewhere around... Behind the Mask? 2007, 2008 maybe? So I Behind the Mask, we watched this? Yes, 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 yes. You brought this to my attention. I have zero okay. recollection. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I, <laughs> I am familiar with the film. Like, I know it. In but fact, when the, king, when the king started to say, uh, you know, similar, like, kind of uh, documentary, like, I was almost said, oh, I know what you're going to pick. Uh, I know the film, but I don't recall ever seeing this or having it or bringing it to you or whatnot. Okay. Well, you know what? You know, it's time to to do a rewatch. Like I said, guys, it's on Shutter Monkey. I know you'll be able to find it, but I'm I'm really fucking excited to talk about this one because I've been looking for a a way to bring this in. And once I saw one cut of the dead, I was like, this is the way. We're going to bring this in. The way to bring it in, King, is just to make your pick whenever you feel like (laughs) it. No, because I wanted to kind of just make it the right way, and this is the right way. You know, you, you made a perfect oh. pick with One Cut of the Dead. So inspiration for oh. Leslie Vernon to make an appearance. Oh, uh, a movie well that then. I cannot wait to talk about. So thank you for the inspiration, uh, Dean. I had a pick already You're to go, welcome. but as soon as I watched this, I was like, we're going behind the mask. we got to talk oh, about oh. Leslie Vernon and the oh, rules oh. of a slasher. Oh, this isn't right. screen. This is a serial killer. So we'll talk about that. it next week. So thank you. Thank you so much, Dean, for your pick of One Cut of the Dead. We'll see you back here next week. Oh, for Behind you're the Mask, welcome. Eyes will be learning. All right. Welcome, so Monkey, why don't you go ahead and do your sign-off? Hi. Thanks for tuning in to Talking Terror, your favorite podcast, horror podcast in all of the motherfucking world. Good night, Gremlin. Mwah. <laughs> all right. Cool. Why don't you go ahead and do your sign-off, sir? That's how we do it here. (laughs) All right, everybody. I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, saying thank you so much for listening to this episode of the show where we covered One Cut of the Dead. Next week, we're going to be covering the story of Leslie Vernon and what makes him a killer. And behind the mask, the rise of Leslie Vernon. We'll see you back here next time. Hail Satan, hail yourselves, hail Odorous. Watch horror movies. Keep America strong.